As the world turns, you can be sure people will find a way to celebrate. Canada Day, 4th of July, freedom rings, and for many, maybe too many, it's time to get out. Cars and even planes will be at capacity. are estimated to be traveling in the United States for the holiday weekend. Pilot shortages and an overabundance of ticket sales means you might not be flying, whether you're celebrating Canada Day today or Independence Day on July 4th. Flights getting pushed back later and later, some canceled. The common denominator? People are frustrated. It's been a long time coming, but it seems like big business can't keep up. Traveling by car for the weekend won't be much better. Expect hours in traffic. We'll let freedom ring. True patriot love in all of us command. For Christians, this takes on new meaning. Our freedom is in Christ, and our allegiance is to His nation, a royal nation of priests. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here on the very first day of July. And we're in a series called A Fisherman's Letter. If you're in Canada, let me wish you Happy Canada Day. For those in the United States, we need to wait a few days for the national holiday. But no matter what side of the 49th parallel you live on, we're all continuing to look at the special letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to Christians in the very first century AD. And oh, how we can learn so much from that even today. Peter was writing to suffering Christians. They had been persecuted for their faith. Christians who weren't sure what they were supposed to do next. So Peter wrote them a letter to remind them of who they were and what the Lord had called them to do in the midst of their persecution. And here's what he told them. All of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. That's the voice of David Suchet reading from 1 Peter chapter 2. We'll hear more of his reading later as we dive into this text that I pray will minister to you as much as it has to me. But first, let me remind you about the documentary that we have for your gift to the ministry that's hosted by David Suchet as well. It's a two-part documentary. David Suchet, all over the Holy Land, following in the footsteps of Peter. I'm David Suchet, and I'm in search of one of the most puzzling characters in history. A simple first-century fisherman who somehow became the founding father of the most powerful Christian church on earth. Wow, look at these! We know him as Saint Peter, mentioned more times in the New Testament than anyone except Jesus. Peter's character and what motivates him has always intrigued me. In this series, I'll be uncovering fragments of tradition and half-whispered traces of Peter's life, revealing surprising new discoveries and theories about the man who shaped a faith that came to dominate Western civilization. David Suchet introducing his documentary called In the Footsteps of Peter. It's a fascinating journey through the Middle East, Europe as well, that helped me better appreciate how the Lord called a simple fisherman from the Galilee to become a fisher of men. Call us after the program. 
Make a gift to this ministry to help us start our fiscal year off with a bang, not a firecracker. And in this new year, our number you can call after the program is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or come visit our website, watch the trailer from the documentary, Make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org, for In the Footsteps of Peter. And a quick reminder, if you'd like to follow In the Footsteps of Paul as well as Peter, we have both documentaries. They're bundled together for a minimum gift to the ministry. Ask about it when you call or read more about the bundle when you visit us online. And now, I can't think of a better way to open our program than with a great hymn, Sung for us by the Norton Hall Band. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can He say than to you He has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Shall I, my great 
sake. A hymn that many of us have sung most of our lives, if you've been in the faith, How Firm a Foundation, sung for us by the Norton Hall Band here on Haven Today and A Fisherman's Letter. I'm Charles Morris. It's the 1st of July. Those of us who believe in the Lord need to be very careful. We have to be careful about how we speak of suffering and how we try to help people who are suffering. If we get it wrong, we can cause even more pain. A colleague of mine played Pop Warner football when he was young, and when he was in eighth grade, he saw this firsthand. His friend was also on the team, and in a freaky non-contact injury, his friend cracked the growth plate under his kneecap. It hurt, but everyone thought it was just a strain. They went to the doctor to make sure everything was okay. And sure enough, the doctor diagnosed it as a sprained knee. He assured the family that everything would be fine after a few days of rest. The next day, though, nothing was fine. That young man's knee had swollen three times larger than his other knee. Something was seriously wrong. So they rushed home. They got him into the doctor, who then diagnosed the broken growth plate and immediately admitted him to surgery. The doctor said if they had waited even half a day longer, they would have had to amputate. If we misdiagnose the problem, we get the solution wrong. And that's why we need to be careful with how we speak about suffering and how we help those who are suffering. There are different kinds of suffering that we need to be clear about. Many people suffer just because disease and disaster are a common thread living in this fallen world. This kind of suffering demands empathy, because we know that all people suffer like this. It's no one's fault. There isn't really a quick fix. We simply must suffer with one another, and we bear each other's burdens. But there's another kind of suffering, the suffering of abuse. People are sinful, and sometimes that sin leads them to do terrible things, whether it's verbally shouting down a spouse, physically harming them, or forcing them to do things they don't want to do. Abuse is rooted in the sin of domination. The history of my country, America, has seen that on a social scale. The abuse of racism and slavery has stained a nation's story. And when we see a person or people experiencing the suffering of abuse, we can't just turn a blind eye. We can't simply empathize and suffer with them, bearing their burden. We have to step up. We have to change their situation. Now think about the Lord seeing his people in Egypt, suffering under the abuse of King Pharaoh and his unbearable slavery. But let me just point out what happened. Almighty God. Yahweh saw and heard their cries and remembered his commitment to them as their Lord. He intervened. He changed their situation. He rightly diagnosed the problem, sinful abuse of power, sin of domination, and he then stepped in to help. Now, this is our call, too, as the story of the Good Samaritan teaches. But there's another kind of suffering. And it's the kind of suffering that Peter was addressing in his first letter. There is the suffering of persecution, which means harm being done to a Christian specifically because they are a Christian. Caesar, Nero's persecution of Christians, 
a classic example. Just because they said they believed in Christ as Lord, they were put to death. They were burned at the stake in the Colosseum. Nero wanted to extinguish the Christian faith, but Christians endured this hatred and spread the word of Christ even further. The response to persecution isn't just intervening to change things, even though we can and should do that, but it's also an encouragement to bear the hatred of the world for the sake of Christ. And Jesus is a perfect picture for us of what that looks like. When he was reviled, hated, even put to death, he didn't make any threats to retaliate. Instead, he continued doing what he had come to this earth to do, and he entrusted his life to his heavenly Father, Almighty God, Yahweh. We've been spending this week looking at a fisherman's letter, the Apostle Peter to be exact. And as I said a few moments ago, he was writing to Christians who had been persecuted for their faith and even scattered across the known world. Christians who weren't quite sure what they were supposed to do. So Peter wrote them a letter. He wanted to remind them of who they were and of what the Lord had called them to do in the midst of persecution. Here's what he told them. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Well, that's our call as well, to be like-minded. Christians in the Western world are known more for our divisiveness than our like-mindedness. Peter's word should cut to the quick of our hearts. We are called to unify around the Lord, to be like-minded, to be sympathetic. That means to be attentive to our neighbor and what they are going through. We live in a me, me, me society today. Peter is calling you and me to live in a we, we, we mindset to love one another, to be humble, to think of others greater than ourselves, to repay evil and insult with blessing. This is how the Lord has called us. But how do we do it? In the midst of persecution, how can we live like this? Peter the fisherman, he knew boats, and he grounded this call in the story of another boat, the story of Noah. And Noah's Ark. Listen to his words here. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits 
to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Again, that's David Suchet reading from 1 Peter. And a thanks to BibleGateway.com for the audio. Did you hear what Peter said? It's better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing evil. But bearing up under persecution is hard. That's why we need to remember Christ and to remember what the Lord did in the days of Noah. Christ suffered in our place. He suffered once for sins. Our sins, not his sin. He is the righteous one. And we are the unrighteous ones. We don't live according to the Lord's word all the time. We struggle. And we still sin, even though we may know Christ as Savior. But the Lord is good. He suffered for us. And why? To lead us to the Almighty, Yahweh. It is all about what Jesus has done for us. We can go to the Father because of the Son. And Peter makes this clear. We can suffer persecution only because of what Jesus did for us. And the story of Noah gives us a perfect illustration. Noah lived in a time of violence and injustice. He walked with the Lord, but he was pretty much the only one. And he was called by the Lord to build that boat so that he and his family could be saved from the coming flood. He was called to bear the violence and hatred of others as he went about building that ark with the hope that the Lord would preserve him through his judgment. And we could easily read this story as an example of how we can save ourselves, just have the right attitude, just do the right things, then you'll be saved. But there's one little phrase in this story of Noah that connects us with what we just read from First Peter. And it changes how we see this entire story. It changes how you read the whole Bible. As Noah and his family entered the ark, Genesis 7.16 tells us that the Lord shut them in. It was the Lord who preserved Noah and his family through the rising waters. It wasn't just the ark that he had built. Peter was reflecting on that when he said Noah and his family were saved through water. They didn't save themselves. They were saved. The Lord brought them through. Now, don't miss that. This is how we can suffer persecution with hope. Not hope in ourselves, but hope in the Lord to bring us safely through. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad nobody ever says I say that too much. Those early Christians suffering needed to hear this. You and I need to hear this. The Lord will bring you through. He will bring you safely home, just as he did for Noah. We can hide ourselves in Christ. He shuts us in, and he will preserve us until the very end. He's made us the promise. I am with you always. So turn to him. Enter his safety. Trust in him to bring you through 
whatever it is you're suffering today because he's good and because he surely will do it. He keeps his word. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling Could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, oh Lord, and save me There's nowhere else to go You're always good Always good Well, somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should of an album we heard many times a few months ago, Andrew Peterson and Always Good here on A Haven Today. And it's July 1st, Canada Day. And July 4th is coming for in a few days for the United States. Well, we began our time together. We looked at how more and more in North America are traveling. Even in Canada, things are starting to loosen up a bit. But even though travel is coming back, All over the world, it's still restricted, especially if you wanted to go visit the Holy Land. 
But I do know one way you can experience the Middle East like you've never experienced before. Call it a virtual vacation. You can do it with me. And watch a special documentary we have that's hosted by David Suchet. It's a two-part documentary. It was shot on location in Israel with places where Peter worked, ministered, lived, traveled. And as you follow in his footsteps, your faith is going to grow. You're going to be encouraged watching and seeing how God used an ordinary man like Peter to spread the good news. Would you call us right now? And would you make your first gift of July, the first gift of our new fiscal year? And our number at Haven Ministries, toll free, is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to the website if you've got a little extra time today. Watch the video that we've got out of the documentary, and then you can make your gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. For in the footsteps of Peter. And if you didn't get in the footsteps of Paul from us last year, we have that as well in a special bundle with the Peter documentary for a minimum gift to the ministry. Ask about that when you call or you can read all about it there online when you watch the video. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together on July 2nd, the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you could put your prayer life onto a pie chart, what do you think it would look like? Let's use the categories of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and requests. How much time do you think you give each of these? Just a wild guess. I'm going to say requests are not the smallest slice of that pie. And if you're like me, sometimes you find yourself searching for words to express adoration and praise. If so, here's a suggestion. Try praying through the Psalms, like these words from Psalm 8. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Daily time in God's Word can actually fuel your prayer life. Anchor Devotional can help. Visit GetAnchor.com.